Welcome to Simply by Grace, a podcast of Grace Life Ministries with founder and director, Dr. Charlie Bing. This podcast and other helpful resources can be found at our website, gracelife.org. Now, here's Dr. Bing. I'm glad that you joined us for another in our series of Grace Stories. Grace Stories tell how people encountered God's grace somewhere along their life's journey and the difference that it made in their life. And this is part of our podcast series. We also have regular teaching um, on our Simply by Grace podcast. And I just remind you that you can access all of our resources at gracelife.org. You can get to the podcast that way and also our printed resources and see what we're doing around the world to spread God's message of grace. But this podcast is available on any of the podcast apps that you probably have. And today we're going to talk to somebody who I know uh, actually have not met Stephanie, but know her because she asks excellent Bible questions and keeps me on my toes. When I have time to answer, I try (laughs) to answer as best I can. Uh, But what I have seen in her questions is that she's really committed to the gospel of grace and a grace-oriented way of viewing the scriptures. And, uh, and in talking to her, find out that sometimes uh, the tough experiences in life can bring us to a better understanding of the truth. And sometimes our religious upbringing, which may not have been oh, as biblical or as best as we had hoped, mm-hmm. can help us to clarify uh, where we are today in our thinking about uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Stephanie, uh, I think religion is not really what you eventually found, it was the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Stephanie Hosey, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, uh, where you live, maybe, um, what, what are you doing these days? Mm-hmm. So currently I live in Ohio, born here, uh, United States, uh, born here. And a lot of good things about Northeast Ohio, you know, beautiful four seasons, um, families here and you have lived in a different state here there shortly for short periods of time and uh yeah it's it's my pleasure to get to talk today and and thank you for asking about grace because uh it really made me look back on my own history and ask where grace was shown in my life and frankly until you asked me I think I, I used it as a, a jargon word, and I understood it on some levels, but really trying to see where the real word of uh, definition of grace was in my life sent me on a whole nother level of understanding God's interaction and, and shaved away some of those false impressions that I had of God. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that would agree agree with you that they have a certain understanding of grace Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. as we know all christians don't understand it in the same way so you were brought up in a religious uh setting where you heard the word grace a lot why don't you tell us a little bit about your religious upbringing yeah i really appreciate the opportunity to have gone to a catholic school and have gone you know to the church in that setting i had the opportunity by the grace of God that though some of the things that 
appeared to be not what God intended for people to believe scripturally, there was one thing that I walked away with. And that was that there was Jesus. He was the son of God and he died on the cross for our sins. Mm-hmm. That and knowing that, oh, what if I had grown up in some other environment or a, a, a completely different persuasion? I'm not sure I would have been taught, taught that fact. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand that I personally was a sinner that really Christ had to die, you know, pay for my list of sins. But um, there was a time where it came where I actually, I did put two and two together. But so, so I'm grateful for that upbringing uh, that I had. And um, I have definitely moved away from that to fellowship with believers who I think have a more clear understanding of, of the scriptures and what God intends for us to live. Um, There's a great difference between understanding the history mm-hmm. The historical facts that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, a historical fact that few would ever refute or dispute. But there's a great difference between the historical facts and the salvation experience. So you you knew the historical facts and, and kind of tell us how you came to know um, Jesus in a more personal way or have the assurance of eternal life. It was through a lot of people who lived uh, most of whom were my peers in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, an aunt of mine, aunt, depends what part of the country you come from, right? Yeah. Uh, she had shared with me, you know, uh, sharing the Catholic background and our family, she had shared with me how she now understood she could go directly to God in prayer. That mm-hmm. impressed me. Mm-hmm. Other high school students that didn't speak to me about God or Jesus verbally, but I will guarantee that it was their behavior and their interactions. And then another person had said to me, you need to get saved. And I, I left myself now, but I literally scoffed and laughed at that person. And I told them, well, there is no such thing as being saved. Wow. And then, um, well, and I understand why I, why I thought that, you know, and I had seen and listened, you know, seen some, let's call them TV preachers and mm-hmm. some evangelists that didn't have, uh, that their, their life didn't match with, you know, what they were saying. And so then of course you just begin to question the, the reality of what they're talking about. But, um, I had gone there was a time in my life where I had been a, a, uh, physically away from my family and away from my friends. Oh, Jesus was so gentle and so patient that he waited till that time in my life. And he began to draw me in ways that, well, you know, you only know between you and the Holy Spirit, only the Holy Spirit, the way that he could. And like Eric Texas has said that God will speak the language of your heart. He knew what to say and how to draw me in. And I just remember one day standing up physically from a seated position and all of a sudden everything just came together in my mind. And I literally said in my, my head, Jesus died 
for my sins. And then I paused and then I hit me in a whole other way and for the sins of the whole world. Hmm. Now, um, how, old, how old were at you? At that point, I knew it was personal. Yeah, how old? Oh, I was, uh, I was 18. Okay, so a little bit after high school, maybe. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so what happened uh, at that point? Did, uh, at some point, you came out of the Catholic Church, it sounds like. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, I'd been visiting a, a Catholic, a local Catholic uh, service, right? And it frankly was so, I guess you could say unalive, that I thought, hmm, you know, what if I just go over to the Protestant? Because those are the only two options, right? So what if I just go over to the Protestant? Well, the Protestant one uh, asked a question that not in the way we think of today, it was much more sedate, but it got the ball rolling and the Holy Spirit was working on the other side. So uh, that little contribution made a difference, which was, uh, would you be ready to face eternity? Uh, got me thinking, I was still really blind because I, I met with the person. They said, if you'd like to meet, we can meet. I went with the person and in my youthful exuberance or, and ignorance, I said to the person, well, I went and told them how I would be ready instead of really listening. But in my quiet moments, I really was listening every moment, every hour. And I had the privilege of having a friend who was very open to communication. And I, I told her some of the things that were seemed like were tugging my heart. And she literally, having been a Christian, said to me, that is God drawing you. And uh, I was just able to go to a local church who uh, that taught the the gospel of grace according to faith, with no works involved in the faith part. Of, okay. Although, of course, they encouraged fellowship and growth. Now, just to back up and, and clarify this, did you mm. did, did you not find? the way to salvation through the Catholic church or have assurance of any assurance of salvation, or what was your understanding of their teaching about how to have eternal life? Hmm. Maybe you hadn't analyzed it at that point, but I'm just curious. Actually, that was a, the word you just used. It was a really good way to describe it because uh, I hadn't analyzed it. I was, I was young. I'm not saying young people can't analyze that mm -hmm. just, my personal experience was I didn't really start putting two and two together until I was more 16, 17, 18. And I, frankly, it comes, it comes from a level of trust. Uh, I, I had a crucifix. Um, I, I understood God felt very connected to God in the knowledge that he was good. He was loving but um, when it came down to uh, the, the literally understanding that I was a sinner, that I had actually violated. And you know what? Maybe I hadn't done so much bad when I was young to understand uh, that I, to even almost understand the need that I needed forgiveness. Right. And so, no, I, I didn't analyze it when I was younger. I can't, I'm sure I could have believed in him as savior what he did for me when i was younger but i will say the setting in which i was 
it was not described in a way that would help one understand here is salvation through belief. And then now what we're going to do is we're going to be, we're going to be a child and then we're going to grow up. That was not differentiated. So I think it would have been pretty hard and confusing to grow up in that environment and, and be able to separate the two. Yeah. But um, later yeah. on, and I guess. have a strong yeah, okay. foundation in order to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, you moved on to another church and uh, did you grow there? And what was the experience of your Christian life like there? Mm-hmm. It, I did grow there partly because the church environment was set up to do that. And partly because I don't know whether it's my experience or my personality or a grace from God. I, I'm not all sure what all goes in there, but I just, you know, how sometimes you can think about how you want to live for God and it, as you grow and as you learn for, for me, it really happened almost simultaneously. Now, I don't put that on other people, expect that. But, uh, yeah, it, it was pretty It was pretty immediate. And I just understood the, how God was really in our, in our hourly, daily life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, if I remember right, uh, you're story also includes a Bible college experience and military experience. Which one came first? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I got out of high school, I, I did not know what next step to take in life. And on default, I followed the example of some family members and I went ahead and joined into the National Guard. Mm-hmm. And it is there that at that time when I was away from my family, he graciously basically started drawing me because I, I love family so much. I'm so gregarious. I love people so much. Uh-huh. I wouldn't have been quiet enough to, to hear and to listen and to lay aside some of the prejudices that I understandably had developed or lay aside my self, um, my self confidence to the point where it's not in a in a relationship with God, you know, I'm, I'm too, I'm too capable. I don't need you God, like, like that kind of self-confidence and and maybe being in the military and some of the uh, difficulty that we experienced, you know, can uh, help you understand your humanity a little better. Mm -hmm. So, and that's where that one friend told me that is God drawing you. And then just next step, next step. And then when I came home uh, through the college, uh, excuse me, through the, uh, church I was attending, they had attended a Bible college. And um, I wanted to, I had such a consuming desire to just be closer fellowship with God that I decided to go to that, to that college. Mm-hmm. So you went to a Bible college and uh, how many years were that you there? Did you graduate? And what was that experience like? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Uh, I would say it was very phenomenal and very, uh, a lot of good, a lot of bad, let's see, how, a lot of uh, incorrect application of, of uh, what fellowship with God looks like mm-hmm. for wholesomeness, that it was, it, it was really detrimental in that fact. But um, I went for two years only 
because I had, I was, it was such an intense uh, environment. And I mean, intense that I had pushed my body so far and so hard. And, and while I was there, my sister who was uh, about a year younger than me. She, she passed away from a devastating disease on the, unexpectedly really in a short amount of time so i went back to college and just my body could not withstand the emotional experience of what i had experienced coupled with uh the schedule i was keeping which was in in line with that kind of environment which was you know college plus i had to work two part-time jobs or did i do three and then on the weekends you know, there was no voice of reason. It was all encouragement, work, work, work. I remember doing, I can't calculate it one day, 28 hours of ministry in a 48 hour weekend. Wow. And okay, where's the sleep? Where's, where's the college? So after my sister died, I, my body just said, I, I need to, I need to take a back seat sort of, and it had a, it had a breakdown and I, I came home and, you know, began to recuperate from that and just did not go back, which was really good because although I can uh, contribute really good doctrine to the, that college mm-hmm. for belief and justification as the only way to salvation, that was really good. And discipleship was different. What it, what wasn't good was, uh, the once you were a believer for all the clear reasons, which is simple belief, you're justified, you're now a believer, you're a child of God. It got wonky after after that, and yeah. Would it be fair to say that they had the gospel of salvation by grace through faith clear, but their view of the Christian life was more? performance oriented instead of relationally oriented relation to God. In other words, it, it was exactly like that. And I'm convinced all the motives were correct. Right. And a lot of people that I maybe know now, even or knew then who lived that whole environment their entire life, the vast majority of those people were peaceful, contented, well-adjusted, happy people. Yet, uh, it still represents a loss of opportunity for life in Christ because he came to give us life and give it more abundantly. And it was a loss of opportunity because it's not linking many of the things we're not linking to truth. If a Bible verse was mm, taken in a way that put extra emphasis on a way that was never intended. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're not in line with truth, then we're, we're missing something. It's a loss. It's a loss of power. It's a loss of opportunity, extremely confusing the to people who are not set you free, mm-hmm. not, not put yes. you in bondage. Mm-hmm. 
You know, your so, story kind of reminds me mm-hmm. of, um, i just interject this, maybe it's a good plug, I don't know, but uh, mm-hmm. Philip, Philip Yancey is a well-known author, and he wrote an autobiography I just finished called uh, When the Light Fell, and he ex- describes a Bible college experience probably mm-hmm. what, similar to what you went through, and it was during that Bible college experience, though he actually, uh, he was saved, but before, and but in that Bible college experience, he rebelled against all the rules, but eventually... He gave his heart to the Lord. He, he surrendered himself to the Lord, and his life really took a great turn at that point. Now, I'm not saying he got saved. I'm saying he really understood the, the, uh, the love of God at that point. Um, and then he moved out of uh, the legalism and the legalistic type of religion into more of a freedom. He wrote a book called, uh, oh, I think it's, uh, it's, it's some, I forget the title of it, but it's about grace. It, but anyway, I just thought I'd put that plug in there because the story seems so similar. So you were brought up in this church that maybe emphasized the do's and don'ts of the Christian life and maybe not so much uh, living by grace or the relationship that grace allows. Uh, But yet you're talking about freedom. So obviously you changed your mind at some point. Can you tell us about that? Hmm. Yeah, I would have to say it was a very long, very long process probably, which is pretty normal when there's such a deep impact. Uh, Let me, um, you've defined the legalism as you've defined it, uh, that it is the, we're using it in the way, the extra emphasis on uh, behavior. Um, We're not, we're not using it as uh, we must have, obey the mosaic law you know to be right so yeah in that sense uh it was that kind of legalism and then i'll share that when i'm thinking of grace you know what what does grace mean and what am i using it when i say grace it would be i'm thinking of like at the beginning of romans and at the end of romans where paul is that paul that's paul right romans yeah um you know, the grace of God be with you. Well, how in the world is the grace of God going to be, you know, going to be with me? So to be a little technical, I'm, I'm using uh, the, the Strong's Concordance reference, you know, the number uh, that it is. Uh, and then, you know, living, living in the acceptance and the abundance that he means for us, you know, once we're believers. So when I say grace, that's the grace that I'm, that I'm living by. And I came through it primarily because once I had seen the damage it did to me and the damage it had done to my family because of, you know, it, it really, uh, it really affects the relationships you have with people. It gives your expectations on them, the expectations you have on yourself, the mindset, the lack of uh, the lack of uh, being able to understand the hu- humanity aspect in our in our ability to fail. And I don't mean excuse excuse sin or bad behavior, right. but uh, so when I saw all that. Uh, a few things happened, and one was, as I began to experience God's grace through my frailty, 
and through seeing the frailty of others, you know, once you receive, once I received mm-hmm. and understood the love of God, it was in my heart. It was just this natural desire to, well, not only share it, but, you know, I can't quite have the heart to hold that against someone when God has so softened my heart. It's, it's just, you just, you just want to start sharing it. And uh, so I, I asked God, I've, I've so misunderstood some of these applications of the Bible verses that you intended. If you would just from, from now on, and this is a, this is not a formula. This was truly from, from my heart, from my personal experience. If God, from now on, whenever I read a Bible verse, every verse, Old Testament, New Testament, because I know that your goal is restoration and redemption. So there's no argument, my belief, that there's anything that God has done in the Old Testament and the New Testament that cannot be paired back to it is initiated from his goodness, mm-hmm. his intention to be in fellowship with us. Mm-hmm. So I just, I asked him from now, whenever I read a Bible verse, I want to know your heart behind it. Let's take a verse, uh, Jeremiah, was it 28 or 2911? I think it's 2911, but you know what? <laughs> I haven't looked at that lately. Well, let, uh, me, read the, I know let the, me read the verses, Jeremiah 2911. And you often hear mm-hmm. Christians quoting this verse. Um, this is, uh, thus says the Lord, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Mm. So yeah, you came to a different, uh, was that misapplied in your opinion? Oh my goodness. It's, it's misapplied ad nauseum. I think the the wording is it's misapplied to the point where it is so detrimental. It's not detrimental to the point where I know God can take that verse. And the Holy Spirit can quietly speak to your heart and just say, you know, I've got to take this verse. This is what it means in context, but I'm going to let you know. There's thoughts I'm thinking towards you. You're concerned about this. You can let that concern go. And I do believe in the ability and the power of the Holy Spirit to take a verse and lift it off and apply it in today, but to not have the understanding of what it means originally. For instance, when you just read it, you you read from a version that said, I know the thoughts I think to you. Majority of people use it. I know the plans I have for you. What does that translate into? I've got a very specific plan for you. And then what's that plan to do you good? Now I've got a plan for you and it's going to be good. Okay. Now we're going to step back to context. There's another verse, maybe Jeremiah 18, where it actually says, I know the plans I have for you. And they're going to be for destruction because he was speaking to a group of people. And then part of those people were going to uh, suffer the consequences. But what in his grace, he was going to deliver a remnant. And then with that remnant, he had some thoughts. His thoughts were good. You can basically, if you you know look at the original, it can be translated plan, but not the way we're thinking of God's got a plan for my life. Right. Um and actually, so, speaking these words yeah. as encouragement to those who were taken captive by Babylon, mm-hmm. he's not mm-hmm. writing, first of all, to the church or to mm-hmm. individuals. But as we say in Bible study, there's only one interpretation of a verse, but there can mm-hmm. be many applications. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we can apply that today, but there's only one interpretation that was intended by the author. And in this case, God, and he was writing to the captives in Babylon. 
that he's got a good future for them. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good example of a verse that's often misused. Um, why, don't, why don't we talk about um, how grace has made a difference in how you live your life today? And um, how are you growing in grace today? Well, it usually starts with understanding, uh, I think, first intellectually, and then letting down my guard, allowing myself to trust the character and the goodness of God. And I have to say that is in the face of any difficulty and to not take my circumstances, whether good or bad, and translate that into the character of God or God's love for me or lack of love for me. Uh I do have to take by faith, by belief, just like by believing the testimony of Jesus and what he did. I have to believe that the Bible says he is good and he is loving. Uh, Do I believe that as the truth that it's claiming? Now, if I do, then I need to reorient. So where I go with that is daily exposing myself to the word because that's my only hope. Um, you know, I mean, face it, after some of the things I had experienced in this religion and then at that college, uh, what's true, what, what's good, mm-hmm. you know, what, what am I going to believe? And every decision that I believe about God's character and about what is true, every decision I believe about reality, it will affect, you know, the way I communicate with my family, uh, the way I communicate if I go to pick up curbs, you know, curbside order at a grocery store and it's wrong, mm-hmm. how am I going to, and, and it really causes some difficulties, how am I going to act toward them? Um, so when I constantly put myself before the word of God in the um, posture of learning and willing to learn and relearn, um, if I've misunderstood, because now I know I can misunderstand and I'm not saying I'm so, uh, I push it to the point where I can't have any peace, but I'll, I'll, I'll look it, I'll learn. I'll understand that. All right. This is true. looks like I need to adjust my life. If I find down the road that this isn't valid, which I think I heard Dr. Fred Shea say, um, we can work toward what is valid to the best of our ability we may never on this earth get verification Mm. yeah that's true that's that's true uh so what we do today counts tomorrow but we won't know exactly what our future will hold for us um so grace is a motivation when we understand that grace gives us everything that we need um that we don't deserve Mm. uh it helps us to live gratefully and not to complain about the little things i think what you're saying. Um, and usually we want to share that grace with other people. Have you been able to share that grace in certain ways? Yes. I, well, yes, it really comes down to daily. Uh, it, it's such a joy. It, it seems like a little thing, but you know, you be, we, we've been given sometimes that picture of do big things for God. I don't know about how many times you've heard that, but okay you know, do big things for God. And then nothing big, nothing big happens. And then you begin, well, when's that big thing going to happen? Well, what if it's, it's not big? What if it's the little things, uh, 
these sometimes one or two minute interactions, or, you know, that thing where we take our family for granted and the old thing, we treat strangers better than we do our own family. Mm-hmm. What if I'm, I'm kind right now to this family member, and I'm not talking about sweeping things under the rug. I, I'm not, I'm not the person who says forgive and forget. I actually think it's forgive and don't forget <laughs> because if you forget, um, you can put yourself in a mentally or physically harmful place, or you can be uh, enabling someone to do something that's destructive to themselves or destructive to, you know, not defending the line of respect, not even just yourself, but what's good. Maybe we you should know, say so, forgive and learn from it. How about that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we forgive and learn from it. And I and uh, I don't play pin the da- uh, pin the tail on the donkey. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't remember so that we can. I'm going to you know pin you as this and keep you that way forever and treat you that that way. You know. So what I'm found out it's it's the little joys, it's the daily daily opportunities, of the daily interactions um, makes a lot more sense too. You know, Jesus said, "Don't worry about tomorrow." You know just even today, I'm convinced that when we get to heaven and to the Bema, we're going to look back and it's going to be the daily hourly. And now one of my, which you might call ministries, a long, long term desire of mine was um, Compassion International. They'll have people who can sponsor children, uh-huh. but let's say they're a corporation or they're someone who just they're not able to take the time or the ability to write well they can have correspondent only so after all these years i get to be a correspondent right now it's at 19 people between the age of two and 20 and my i'm looking for one more 20 Mm -hmm. and let's prayerfully i go on a little bit further and i get to interact with them this last week i got three letters from around the world and the questions, the prayer requests mm. are sometimes so mature, so, so sincere. Mm-hmm. And they, they have s- such a clear expression of wanting to rely on God's grace and his mercy in their lives. Oh, it touched your heart. So yeah. I get to do that. So I'm, I'm assuming then that you discuss re- spiritual issues with them and ask them for things like prayer requests and explain the gospel to them. It sounds. Yes, they are affiliated with the church. I have since learned that the churches will be quite different denominations right. and that I, from what my observation, I'm, I can see where, the differentiation between salvation justification and then discipleship fellowship may not be made in those churches. Right. So what I've done is the second letter that I send out uh, to each child, the first one is more, uh, I'm excited to learn this about you. And here's a little bit about me because we talk a lot about just normal daily stuff. Oh my goodness. Look at these flowers that I, I saw. Nice. And send them a photo. And then, um, you know, I want them to know I care about your pet and, and I care about uh, your favorite color. To me, that that is showing life and grace and love. And then what I've done is 
I've, I put it together a few verses and then fit really, really gratefully with your help. Once I realized that if I tried to teach something doctrinally that that other church did not teach, that put them in a very precarious position because yeah. they're going to translate something that in their own mind, they're convinced may really hurt this person. Yeah. So um, I made some Bible verses and I, I shared them with you and I asked you, can you give me some Bible verses? Because, you know, you're experiencing this country and that country. So you have seen and experienced how uh, different countries and cultures can handle it. Yes. So I put Bible verses, I share them with them on the second letter, particularly and that way that's on the Holy spirit shoulders. And that's where the power and the work will come from. And it, I'll, I keep to the communication of, answering their prayers or if they um, i have shared uh the one one young man was asking about wanting to work really be of use of god i actually shared with him that mm -hmm. diagram that you have i know where it lists the difference between this is being saved then this is discipleship and that's a little bit heavy but this young man was there he wanted that kind of information Mm hmm. Well, very good. So you're getting some very good opportunities to teach these young people that you correspond with. And uh, the grace that you've experienced is overflowing to them. Um, well, Stephanie, uh, that's an exciting ministry. We uh, we uh, rejoice that you're be able to share these life changing things with them. Um, and, you know, there might be people listening today who have a similar experience or can relate to the idea of being in a maybe a ritualistic religion or a legalistic religion or emphasis on do's and don'ts and more of a sterile uh mm. might have used the word unexciting not exciting environment but but really are looking for something more uh, of an experience of god's love and grace what what experience uh, what advice would you have for them you have anything to say to these people who are in a religious system that is more an emphasis on external do's and don'ts than on the internal relationship we might have with God. If you can understand my question. I do. I do understand your question. And it's been 15, 20 years in the, yeah. <laughs> in the making with, yeah, yeah. In my life, um, I would say I've, I've, man, I'm always learning and I love knowing, I love being able to accept that I will always be learning. And, you know, maybe in a way, that's, that is the first thing. Um, another thing is I've learned what confirmation bias is and the danger of, now I'm not talking about questioning oneself to the point where you have no peace of mind. That's, mm -hmm. that's counterproductive. But the privilege of saying, hey, you know, this is normal and there's such there's enough good in this. Um, what I need to do is I need to ask myself, uh, could what this other person is saying be legitimate? Because if, if what I find that they're saying isn't legitimate, then I can set it aside. But if I come across the truth, the actual truth will never hurt me. So I can let go of what I held dear, um, 
you know, if we, if we, um, this is being a little silly, but if we have such a high standard that we're, we're holier than we hold ourselves to higher expectations and than even God is, or we're more loving than God, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes because those standards are just, um, he is full love. He is full grace. He is full righteousness. So whatever I follow his real standard, I will never be short changed from him or, or giving to someone else or in myself or anything like that. But if I hold to these other standards, you know, they're, they're, they're not real. And if I can be brave enough and humble enough to step back and say, well, this other person saying this, is that a possibility? It's right. If I don't even ask myself the question, I'm going to be trapped in that thing. And if I'm trapped in something wrong, well, then I have to live, live that wrong thing forever. Um, So, yeah. So I ask that another thing that has really helped me is if I find myself being inwardly critical, I'm talking about my own mind, my own thinking. And if I, I'm not talking about observing going, Oh, that doesn't seem right. Or the way that's turned out, that's really messed up. I, I don't think that's right. I'm not talking about a good observation, but if I find myself being critical new, everyone knows themselves, you know, when they're when they're being that way. But if that's, if, if I can hear what I'm thinking to myself and I'm running along these lines, what I have found is if I'm critical, like I have a critical bitter spirit towards someone else, that that mindset is a barrier to even being humble enough to have the opportunity to receive what is true. It's like a, they do not mix six lights, oil and water. Right. So where I, I don't excuse what's bad, but if I can observe that something's bad, yeah. but still uh, go forward with a non bitter, cynical, critical, uh, sort of nasty attitude, then, um, then I have an opportunity to find out what is really true. And that's, you know, when you feel frustrated and, angry or uh, like you're in the clear is any of those kind of things. So anyhow, those kind of things have really helped me. That's a good observation because God does that every day with us. I think he, Hmm. uh, we have to learn to look at ourselves the way he does. And um, like any growing person, like any growing child, uh, they're going to stumble, fall and spill their milk. And God knows that that's going to happen to us. And we get down on ourselves, but, his grace forgives us. Stephanie, I want to thank you for sharing your story with us today and with the whole world. Um, I think people can really appreciate what you've uh, been through. And uh, it's refreshing to hear your excitement about um, living in the light and living in the truth. So thanks for uh, sharing today. My pleasure. And uh, let me just close by uh, reminding you that I think what you've gained from our conversation with Stephanie today is that religion is more than what you do and what you don't do. It's more than an emphasis on the externals or the rituals that we keep. It's really a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the only way to have that relationship is to come to know him as Savior. 
Well, why is he our savior? Because the Bible says that we've all sinned. And the Bible says that we can't be with him forever in a perfect place called heaven or the kingdom of God unless our sin problem is taken care of. And that's why Jesus died on the cross, which a lot of people know about but don't understand. He paid the price for our sins there on the cross. And then by the power of God, he raised from the dead. And he's the only man to ever ever said he was going to rise from the dead and do it. And because he's alive today, he can offer you who are listening um, and anyone else everlasting life in his presence. And how do we get that? Not by doing things. It's by believing what he has promised. He says, whoever believes in me has will have everlasting life. And you can look at John 3.16, a simple and well-known verse, um, and, and understand that that is meant for you. So we trust that today would be a day where you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior if you don't already. It's been interesting talking to Stephanie and see the grace of God at work in her life. Uh, if you like the podcast, please subscribe to it, like it, leave a comment. That makes it get more widespread and heard mm -hmm. by more people. And uh, someday maybe we'll hear your grace story. So until then, uh, let me just say grace and peace to you. Thank you for listening. For more resources, or to help spread the message of God's life-changing grace, visit our website at gracelife.org. We'd love to hear from you. Send us a message at simplybygrace at gracelife.org. See you next time.